But let's kick off the show with streaming. Maybe you're listening terrestrially right now on 1420 AM or 103.3 FM, or maybe you're streaming after the fact. Maybe you're streaming on the ESPN Lafayette app. Maybe you just downloaded this show via the podcast and you're listening on your own time, whatever that might be. Streaming, Thursday night football this year, all of the games. I say all the games. The, the, the Thursday night opener to open up the entire NFL season won't be streaming. But every other Thursday night game, with the exception of on Thanksgiving, will be. Be streamed on Amazon. Amazon Prime. Streaming is here. The question is, who gets the Sunday ticket? Because DirecTV has had it for years. And DirecTV has paid a lot of money for it. And DirecTV has gotten tons and tons of customers as a result. Any fan of a team out of market that is a true fan of a team buys DirecTV and spends money on the direct ticket so that they can watch their show. Plenty more fans just buy the direct ticket so they can watch all the games. Direct ticket is the ticket. The Sunday, I say direct ticket, the Sunday ticket, excuse me. NFL Sunday ticket is what I'm talking about. I keep saying direct ticket. It's on direct TV. But the NFL Sunday ticket package comes to an end with direct TV in 2023. So they still got it for a little while. See, it started back in 1994. John Taffer of Bar Rescue, you guys know him? Don't miss. He came up with the idea at the time. He was on the NFL's board of, um, he was on the NFL Enterprises board. He came up with the idea. It was a great idea. I mean, this this package that DirecTV has for the NFL Sunday ticket, they, they've had it for a long time. I think the current deal, as I said, they got two more seasons of it. I think they spent a billion dollars on it. The next group that buys it will be a streaming group. It will be. And whoever buys it is going to have to pay a lot more than $1 billion. The NFL is seeking over $3 billion per year. Per year. Who's the favorite? According to Puck News, Dylan Byers of Puck News, yeah, it's a thing. And it's notable and it's reputable. He learned in Sun Valley that Apple TV Plus is the favorite to land the Sunday ticket. $3 billion per year. Now, look, Fox and Comcast and CBS, they're all in contention, but really they're just being used to try to prop up the price. And that's what this is. $3 billion a year. Apple is likely going to win the sweepstakes. Win. Win the right to pay $3 billion a year to have the Sunday ticket. Look, I, I don't have DirecTV. I'll take the NFL Sunday ticket. I have Apple TV. I have Apple TV Plus. Now you're going to have to pay more to get it, but that works for me. I'm down. A major streamer looking to break into the live sports business. Amazon's already done it. Apple TV's done it a little 
with some Friday night MLB games, but they haven't done it in a big major way. They don't have the gigantic catalog of streaming options that Amazon, that Netflix, that others do, even Hulu. They've got some original programming, but it's not as wide. That is where the NFL Sunday ticket is going. And if you don't have an Apple TV Plus account, you're going to need one. And then once you pay for that, you're going to need to pay for the Sunday ticket. And then when you have the Sunday ticket, you'll be able to watch all the games except on Thursday nights. Well, you're going to need Amazon Prime. You see where we're going with this, guys? The future of the NFL is streaming all over the place. Not just the Sunday ticket and not just Thursday night football. That'll be the case in two years. It's already the case for Thursday night football. It'll be the case for Sunday ticket in two years. But 10 years from now, that's where we're heading. Where else are we heading with the nickel and diamond? We'll talk to Gus Cattengill about that when we come back next. So give me all you got Friday. So the NFL is telling their fans, everything in your pocket, every dime, we need it. You want to watch games? Give me all you got. Gus Cagnell joins me next. I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. The one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. He peaked athletically in the seventh grade. Do you know what a hero you are to me? I presume you're referring to my four touchdowns in one game. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the great Scott show on a gimme all you got Friday time for the pro Nola segment. The man, the myth, the legend Gus Kattengill joins me now host of the sports hangover ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans. Follow him on Twitter at GCAT underscore 17 at GKATT underscore 17. I don't know if you heard that bark, Gus. Usually we hear your dog in the background. You might yeah. hear mine. You might hear Brooklyn in the background with a little bark nice. here or there. So uh, please <laughs> pardon that. I know you don't mind. Listeners pardon it as well. But uh, anyway, man, good morning, dude. What's going on? No, man. Um, McQueen's actually just uh, chilling here, um, kind of in his little doggy bed in the office here, just, you know, wondering what it is that I'm doing. Oh, there he is talking again. So, but uh, I love the name Brooklyn. I, I thought for sure 
maybe Shea, spelled S-H-E-A for Shea Stadium from back in the day. You know, I, that, that wouldn't be a bad dog name, huh? What do you think? Well, I mean, Shea was a dump as much as I loved it. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's Brooklyn for no sleep till Brooklyn. So the uh, the I kids, love it. The kids I love wanted it. a Beastie no, Boys it, name. Uh, all is well, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Uh, you know, I, I, we're going to talk a little bit about Summer League. Not so much the games themselves as much as the vibes. It'll make more sense when I get to it. But I, I want to start by piggybacking something that you were discussing earlier this week on your show. I go on your shows Wednesdays, and we usually have some fun, discuss a number of things. But it's it's crazy how much this national story about BMW, international story, excuse me, has taken off that they are going to start selling heated seat subscriptions, like $18 a month, which seems, you know, obviously no one down here needs it, but obviously the, the reaction is... Uh, anything but yeah that's cool everyone is just like wtf like what like are you kidding me like are, are you gonna start having to pay to just start the car like with the key like where does it where does it end here like it's a seat warmer it's not serious xm radio like good lord like what what is what is this about so you kind of piggybacked on it and you you started saying like are, are we going to start seeing more things in the sports realm of things i know you already have seat licenses and, and a lot of other stuff, right? We've kind of seen it in the sports world for a while, but we've accepted it. Where where do you think the future goes with this? And at what point do you think some sports fans would be like, from a from a, a, a in-game perspective, as far as watching it on TV, I mean, it is what it is. But how, how far how far do you think this could go in the sports world? Um, as, as far as the sniveling little guy that wants to climb the ladder of success, wants to be in that executive office, is going to come up with ways to show you can make the company more money, buddy. Um, and dime you. I'm looking at the 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 online, I guess you know, a la carte menu for BMW, and um, you can get iconic sounds for ninety nine dollars. What? Fun. Um, yeah, iconic um, sound. Yeah, tra- yeah. Transfer your vehicle's unmistakable sporty BMW sound, and or or as I like to call it, just burn your money, just throw it away. <laughs> I mean, I'm just telling you. Look, um, you know, driver assistant, but you want high beams? Those beams are going to cost you ten dollars a month to use your high beams. I'm just, I'm just, I'm again, I'm reading what they're doing and. You know, you're like, Gus, what, what part of I me mean, is this the test? No, this is UK, Germany, New Zealand, South Africa. Like, this isn't, you know, one little neighborhood in some podunk country to see if this works. Um, and, and why it caught my attention, Scott, is because we heard the commissioner of the NFL say last week that the Sunday ticket, which I like, and I don't know what I did last year, I bundled. Apparently that got me the Sunday ticket. Nice. I had it at first when nice. I first got direct TV, but I can't afford the 300, 400 it's a month. Expensive. So I hadn't seen it in a while. And then somehow, some way I got an email. My wife yelled at me. She's like, what did you do? I'm like, I didn't hit anything. <laughs> I'm like, you know, like, but I got an email like she did on our email saying, enjoy the upcoming slate of games. She got mad at me, thought I subscribed. Um, and, and But I love it, but it's going to go per the commissioner to a streaming service. And it's either going to be Amazon 
Apple or Disney. So the expected number is three to four billion. Insane. This one was one billion that they're currently expiring this year. Um, it, I just got to thinking, man, when you look at the contracts that players are signing and ways that clubs have got to find ways to find additional revenue streams within their own stadiums, within their own product, in order to somehow either cut even or make a profit, nothing's off the table, Scott. And when I mean nothing's off the table, I'm talking in-game. Let's go there first. What if you, you know, um, what, what are the things that inconvenience you? Because that's not going to be pitched, right? Scott, it's going to be pitched as a convenience, an additional thing for you. You already got in, you got in the stadium, you're in the seat. But what's annoying? Say you got middle of the row and you got to go through people in order to go to the bathroom and all that stuff. What about if the first six rows on either side, closest to the aisle, for an extra $2 a seat, you guaranteed that seat, right? And I understand, wait a minute, but you have season tickets. All right, well, you're charged for it. You can either give it up or whatever. What about for the ladies? Like my wife probably would make me do it. We've all been to Disney World. What about something like Black and Gold Plus or Blue and Red Plus for Pelicans games? Then it allows you front-of-the-line access to concessions. You have your own concession line. You go to certain bathrooms that are dedicated Black and Gold Plus bathrooms. In other words, it's capped out. So instead of having to wait 35 deep for the ladies to go, um, it's maybe five. And so on and so forth. What about you take a section of gate five right by the on-ramp that gets you on the interstate? An extra 250 per ticket or 250 for you. Um, you have concierge service. You can park right there. You have your own gate A plus entry on the ground. You don't have to even go up the ramp when you walk in. Hey, Mr. Prather, how you doing? Lovely seeing you and your family. You go right up that escalator, right on the field level, right to your seat bypassed everything. I, I'm just thinking you're going to probably start to see things like that. Already, you're, you're grabbing your own beer because of, you know, touchless, um, uh, you know, transactions. Like I went to Monster Jam last Saturday, and there's a cooler, and there's a little line, and somebody waiting at the end. And you open the cooler, and you grab your beer, and you give them $16 for it. And, you know, so I mean – I guess, and they ask you for a tip. I don't, I don't know what the service was, but, but that's coming. It's all of those different things they're going to be asking for you to do. And you said in stadium, um, Scott, you know this TV package that CBS and Fox did to keep these these games. What's to say they don't say, hey, we agreed to televise the game. Now I'm not talking about the game of the week. I'm not talking about you know Monday night or Sunday night football. But your normal 12 o'clock Saints take on Cleveland. Um, you're going to get three cameras. You're going to get one from the press box. You're going to get one from the end zones. That's three. If you want the play-by-play and you want the replay and you want the sideline reporting and all of that, that's going to be an extra you know, $4 if you want to do that for that service. I would even put it past them to say that you do something of that nature where you want the game audio sound, like you want the experience of the stadium. You can do that. You want to control your cameras, okay? Like I said, the, the Sunday package comes to the streaming service. What about if they go, hey, you can select this game, and now you can control for an additional $5 
your camera shots. You can pull up whatever camera you want, just like when ESPN does the national championship games where one of their stations have different angles and stuff. What if you could do that for an extra five? I'm telling you, you're going to see by way of having to make up the money that they're having to pay for presenting this, you will start to see a la carte or additional things at stadiums and in and at home viewing experience. You watch. I mean, it's going to happen. As it is, you want to watch Thursday Night Football, you better have Amazon Prime. Not that I don't know anybody who doesn't have Amazon, but, you know, you have to have it to watch it now. So the NFL's gone, you know, cannonball deep into this. I'm just saying as ridiculous as it sounds, man, um, I don't know if they'll, they'll charge you to go to the bathroom, but I would expect you probably going to get something like Genie Plus now at Disney World where, hey, we'll make sure one of these bathrooms is reserved for the Black and Gold Plus members that they can go to make the line shorter, go get your $18 beer line shorter, uh, get in and out of the stadium quicker, all of that, I bet you would come. I, it's it's in some ways we see it with seat licenses, but to your point, yeah. it's the NFL. We're talk. Let's just talk about the NFL. It's the, the NFL is going to nickel and dime anything that they can, and there's a clear demand for it. Uh, is there a line at some point? I don't know. I feel like for BMW, this seems kind of ridiculous. It feels like I would never buy a BMW. Not with not with that. Not with well, you got to pay comes for a seat with it. warmer. That's why you're buying like, a BMW? Give me a, you, right, right. You can buy something yeah. that comes with seat warmers, or you cannot. It's a, you know whatever. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. Like I, I feel like in the future, you know, you're already paying to part. You're paying to do all these little things. Whenever you pay for a ticket, it's you know, a lot of people are using digital tickets. Well, there's all these other fees. So it's already in the, like, it's already acceptable, I guess is my point, right? Because people are already paying extra costs to get to game day and all the extra things that come along with it. You start nickel and diamond people nonstop, then maybe, you you know, maybe people start watching it more on TV, right? Well, then you go there to your point, guess what? They can nickel dive you there too. So it's... um. Anyway, a billion-dollar corporation can make more money. They're going to do it. And unfortunately, Gus, I don't, I don't like the points you bring up about it, but it, it's, I, I think they're all valid. I mean, I think it's, it's mm-hmm. part of it. Now, you give me some good stuff. Like you, give me, you give me guys mic'd up on the field during the game. There you go. Not this yep. edited NFL films. They want to make it look like it's all cool. And no, nah, man, they're saying some nasty stuff down there. You 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 mic up CD Deuce for a game, you know what? I might I might pay for it. unedited. I might I might pay for that. I might I might watch the game. I might I might when the Saints are on defense. I might just have to go to that. I mean, just want to hear his commentary as it happens. Um, but uh, you know, I I can't sit here and tell you. I can sit here and tell you I'm not paying eighteen dollars for a seat warmer. But I can't sit here and tell you that I won't pay for something in the future if it comes to. You know, uh, getting the NFL football experience. I can't. I'd be yeah, lying well, if Bill, I said you just I used the word. I was going to say it will pre- it will be presented as a convenience, as BMW uses the word, or an experience as what the NFL is going to sell you. It's like that. Yeah, you've been watching the games, but now you really can watch the games. And you're going to be like, oh, boy, yes, I want to see it. Give me quarterback cam. 
you know, and then they're going to say you can do that per game over $320 a year. You have access to all the camera angles, all the audio channels, all of it, all of it, all of it. You're going to say yes. And then your wife's going to go, why are we spending $700 on a game? <laughs> but, you know, I think, look, I, that's the thing's going to happen, man. It's like, I, I just, I, I see it. I see them finding ways to try to do as much as possible to, to make this worth it. And, and look, I think you saw the, the toe dipping in the pool of streaming over the last several years. Um, you know, this year, Apple, I think, has like every Friday night a Major League yeah, Baseball game right. on. So, I mean, look, people are just used to doing it. I mean, look, let's be honest. A couple of weeks ago, when the Pelicans announced that they re up with Bally's, the city went bananas. Yeah, fan, the fan base was like, way. no, no. But they, 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 they came out and immediately said, all those things you're complaining about, we're going we're gonna to work so you can get it just off the app. Or you don't have to Bingo. only have this. Bingo. You know, they made sure they say? kept the message of. People complain right. that you couldn't stream it. So when you think of that, just think of what you just said. The team had to come and clarify that you would be able to stream it without a cable subscription, right? You could stream it, but right. you had to have the cable subscription you or, had somebody, to have the cable sub- or, or right. somebody you know's password of a cable subscription that caught right. Right. one of the right. cable packages that had the games on it, which isn't all of them. I mean, yeah. you but know, I mean, look, it's a cable. Cable is just, it's dying. I look at, I look at cable, Gus Kattengill, our guest, Pronolist segment, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Brathers, the great Scott show. Give me a, you got Friday. Like, conference realignment. Let's go there for a second, right? Um, Cable was the driving force behind the geographical changes in conference realignment over a decade ago, right? It kind of started with the rumor of, oh, Texas and Oklahoma are going to go to the Pac-10 at the time. It was called the Pac-10. And everybody's like, this is insane. This is crazy. And then Texas kind of was just playing everybody, and they were going to release their own Longhorn network. But you did start to see some changes, right? The Sun Belt lost some members. Conference USA lost some members. And every single addition was, you know, why would, why would Rutgers, you know, why would this big conference want Rutgers? Why would the Big Ten want? Well, they want to get in that New York market because now the Big Ten network can be there, and it could be on all these cable you know, channels. And if somebody pays an extra dollar, they get the sports package. And now the big 10 will get a kickback on that. My point is like G- the reason Missouri and, and, and A&M for that matter, got the invite into the sec when they did years ago was because of geography. Now A&M may make sense, right? Missouri doesn't make as much sense as say Clemson or Florida state or North Carolina. Uh, but guess what? The sec was already in Florida. They were already in South Carolina, right? They were already in those regions. They weren't in the state of Missouri. Now, geography has nothing to do with it because cable has nothing to do with it. These TV packages, you know, I shouldn't say, let me rephrase. Strictly being on cable doesn't have anything to do with it. But the TV money is so big, and a lot of that comes not just from geography. It's because you can get all of these channels wherever you are via a stream on your phone, wherever you want to be. It doesn't have to be, oh, you got to be in this market and have cable to catch this channel. It's 
Like, you know, geography doesn't matter anymore. The TV money is still the driving force behind it, but the reason behind the TV money is different. It used to be cable packages. Now it's just, hey, how much is the SEC going to get from ESPN? How much is the Big Ten if they get, you know, once they get USC and UCLA, how much are they going to get based on this and that? It's, it's, It's more about the power and athletic budgets and things like that, as opposed to what it was 12 years ago. And a lot of that is because how we consume sports is different. I was talking to Luke Johnson earlier this week, and I know you know Luke. He's a friend of mine. It was like back in the day when we were younger, Gus, and just just starting out in this business, I mean, if you were on ESPN, that was it. Like you were the creme de la creme. You know what I mean? Like if you you were on – uh, you know, around the horn, you could be a journalist and suddenly, you know, out of, out of Phoenix or Chicago and suddenly everybody knew you because you were on TV. And now, you know, you can get well-known a lot of different ways as a journalist and it doesn't have to be from being on ESPN. I think, you know, the newsbreakers of the world, the Adam Schefters, the Woges, they're kind of what those guys, you know, on, on around the horn were, say, 15, 16 years ago. But it all goes back to how we consume sports and whether it be on cable, whether it be streaming, whether it be on your phone, whether it be on Twitter, whatever it might be, as it evolves, all of these other things evolve with it, the TV packages, conference realignment. And as you were stating, you know, just how we consume these products, Thursday night football this year, you better have Amazon prime. Cause if you don't, you can't watch it unless it's your team. They'll put it on a local channel. But other than that, Forget about it. You know, it used to be one. It used to be no games like that. Then it was one game a year like that. Now it's a game every week like that. Right. At what point is it all the games? To say that that would never happen would just be foolish. At some point, you're going to have to pay even more just to get something that right now you can watch on an antenna, which costs you, you know, at at the store twelve dollars. Yeah, and. You know, is one of the things you're probably going to be paying attention to next week when the FCC meetings start, right? Yep. Um, what are the future plans? And that's going to be the, the topic that I'm sure all the coaches are going to be asked. I don't think Sankey's going to give much info. Uh, but, I, you know, in speaking with some people this week, it is absolutely at the ready. You know, if Notre Dame goes Big Ten, mm-hmm. it's going to be two conferences of 20 teams. Yeah, it's, it's go, that's where it's heading. There will be two mega conferences, and I don't know when we'll get there, but that's where that's where it's all going. I mean, so uh, one thing that was interesting, Brody Miller came on the show earlier this week, and he covers the Tigers for the Athletic, and he brought up the point that Greg Sankey, it's well known that one of his favorite books is about how the, the, the collective over in England grabbed a bunch of soccer clubs and formed essentially the EPL. And for soccer people, you know what I'm talking about. For non, it's the English Premier League. All you need to know, it's essentially the professional SEC Big Ten of soccer. I mean, I don't even know if that's accurate enough to describe it. It's, it's the biggest clubs in the world that compete in that you know, Premier League. It's literally what it's called, the English Premier League. It's the biggest name, Man U, Manchester City. Um, they have the best players. They spend the most money. They have the biggest stadiums. Does it sound familiar? And that's the book that Greg Sankey constantly refers to. It's the one that he loves to read the most. And what have you seen in the last, you know, 
five, ten years. You've seen him build the SEC to its own brand, right? I mean, from the it just matters more hashtag to the commercials and chants of SEC, SEC. I mean, he has built it essentially on a standalone conference of college football, right? I mean, you look at the coaches that are going to be there next week, Scott. I mean, their staff are making a million dollars plus. Their coaches... Billy, Billy Napier is going to have to... I mean, if he wanted to bring his whole staff, he's going to need like three Greyhound buses to get him there. Um, <laughs> speaking of, I brought it up to Brody. I'm like, look, when you look at just the SEC West, like I'm going to do something unique and different, I think, this year. I'm going to cover like Andy Cohen, right? Because legitimately, the head coaches of the SEC, much less the coaches of the SEC West, it is an absolute real housewives television show. I mean, they all bicker at one another. They all complain. They all absolutely lose it during a presser or two. The Lane train's fantastic. He's the he's the stirrer, isn't he? He's the you know what stirrer. Oh yeah, he's a pot <laughs> you know? stirrer. He, he's Be- he's Beth from the original Real World. That's what Lane is. Right. Yes, <laughs> from the original Real World. The original I mean, you know, Real like, World. Look, Go way back. I mean, look, and then you got the new kid on the block and Napier. And I mean, I just Please. you know who look. He wants to show and bring back Florida to its dominance. You know, so Georgia coming off of a national championship, like who's going to contend with them? You know, Tennessee, could they finally Rocky top it? And all that, you know, last year, I mean, they're throwing water bottles on the on the ground. I mean, so it, it literally, the SEC is a real housewife show. And, and, but Scott, it's been done on purpose. It's been done on purpose. It is the conference you talk about. It is the conference that essentially has a very good chance of dominating college baseball. They've gotten a lot better at basketball. And when I spoke to Glenn Gilbert earlier this week, who covers the SEC for OutKick, he said, hey, I'm telling you, I'm hearing North Carolina do part of that. You know, Miami, I mean, bringing that basketball to that already. Miami has a, you know, history of college national championships in baseball. That program's been well. Their football team plays where the Dolphins play. That's an NFL stadium. That's one another one of those big markets. And then you also add the fact that basketball, I was about to build a brand new arena. So, I, I, and they're a brand. I mean, the U is a brand. And it actually is a tough school to get in. It's like 10,000 students, not, you know, one of those bigger schools. So, but that's what it's about now, man. And it's crazy when you think about what motivated him or I think, caught his attention and there was a book about how those groups of men got together and formed the English premier league. And Scott, you don't even have to be a soccer fan. Everyone knows the EPL. Everyone knows what it is. Gus Kagan, our guest ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. You talked about the drama among the SEC and how it makes headlines. That's a good segue into our next topic. And A little something that you and I talked about on your show earlier this week. We'll get into a little NBA Summer League, but the storylines coming out of the NBA currently and some remarks that the commissioner, Adam Silver, made, I ain't buying them. And if you do buy them, then you kind of think Adam's a little bit of a hypocrite. I'll explain next. It's a Give Me All You Got Friday. Don't go anywhere. One more segment with our guy, Gus Cadgill, right after this.
sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into a Give Me All You Got Friday on the Great Scott Show. Pro Nola segment, Gus Kattengill, our guy. Gus, before we get into the Pelicans uh, and, and the Summer League a little bit, I wanted to uh, once again piggyback on something I discussed on your show this week. And Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA's remarks that he doesn't like or doesn't think it's good for the game when a superstar player requests a trade out of whatever team they play for. Now, before we go any farther, let me go ahead and set the record straight. I agree with that point, okay? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't like it, personally. I don't. I don't like when a guy's got five. You know, if you're heading into the last year of your deal and you have a player option and you want to wheel, okay, fine. When you got four or five years left or, you, you know, come on. Like, like, let's, you know, it's, I don't, I just, I don't like it. I mean, you know, you want to try to grow the game a certain way, but when it comes to the messenger, two things, one, I don't necessarily, I don't think Adam, I think Adam Silver was pandering to his audience, right? The fans at summer league and, and some of the people there, but he can say that publicly. The reality is the headlines that come with the player empowerment era. And I, I don't like even I don't like that phrase player empowerment. I think it needs to be called the superstar empowerment era, because that's what it is. If you're not a superstar, you don't wield much power. I mean, you can make good money and play in the league. It's the superstar empowerment era as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what comes with that is tons of headlines, tons of chatter, tons of talk. Tons of debate. I know you and I could sit here and talk about Major League Baseball for 30 minutes. There's a reason we're not. Not to say that nobody listening would care. There's some baseball fans listening. But at some point, it's not drawing the same amount of heat and interest and and the same amount of chatter on social media as Kevin Durant wanting to be traded or Donovan Mitchell or... Or or right. you know or or Zion at summer league after doing a tour in Paris with Luca for the Jordan Brit whatever it sometimes it's not even you know uh, made for TV reality TV stuff sometimes it's just basic oh look at this guy in this picture look at this look at that like <laughs> it, it, the point is so much comes with the drama so many headlines and you can say oh well it doesn't equal ratings it might not always equal ratings for regular season games in Sacramento, in New Orleans, if they're not having a good year. I get that. That's true. You want to make those kinds of things more meaningful, but is it truly hurting the game? I think Adam Silver knows it's not in a lot of ways, and so I think he's saying one thing. Let's say that he's not pandering, Gus. Let's say that he is being 100% authentic and real when he, with a straight face, says, I, I want to do so. We want to do something about it. We don't like it. Something needs to be done. I mean... No, no. Has he not empowered players more than any other commissioner in sports ever? I'm not necessarily saying it's a good or a bad thing. I'm only pointing out the fact that he has. David Stern, there were a lot of things he said, no, 
And if you don't like it, deal with it. Yeah. Right? Silver's been very, very different. So if he really believes what he's saying, well, then he needs to look in the mirror and, and, and take the blame because it's on him. Either way you look at it, when he said it, I, I'll be honest, man. I just kind of rolled my eyes. He tiptoed around it, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, for somebody that's very, very thorough with his words and very good at articulating, th- there was a lot of, um, uh, uh, I don't know if he requested a trade. Like he, he tipped. He did not want to upset him. Is how it came across to me. Um, I, I thought Colin Coward brought up a very good point. I just happened to be in the car. What, what day was it? I it was think like it was Wednesday when um, he was speaking about what the commissioner said on Tuesday. And he opened up the show with an analogy. I thought that made a lot of sense. He's like, look, you know, everyone thinks that young kids or Americans run Silicon Valley. It's actually 40 and 15 year olds. The techies though, there's a 27 year olds, other guys that build and love the tech, but it's left to trusted adults to be able to make those decisions. And he said, the NBA has an optic problem right now. They're letting 27-year-olds dictate their league and dictate their business and, and do those things. And I thought it was interesting you put it out that way in that, you know, you look at the last year and a half, what have we seen? I mean, the Houston Rockets smooched the rear end of James Harden for the last field two, three years that he was there. Daryl Morey Moore, gave him whatever he wanted. I mean, I'm not... I, it, yep. that's no, he fact. did. He, he wanted, you know, he wanted Chris Paul. He made, did whatever that I do to do that. That didn't work. I, I need Russell Westbrook. All right, well, do whatever. I don't want do to that. travel with it the team. Worked. I want to go to Vegas during this two-day layover and do my thing yeah. and meet I mean, you. Okay, yeah. you can do it. Yeah, I mean, that, they gave him what he wanted. Be Dennis Rodman and show up and you're hammered and get out there. He got fat and quit on the team and then didn't show up. And when he did... People are convinced he wore a fat suit. I mean, seriously, like he did everything he could <laughs> to get out of town. Um, and he, and he was gone. Ben Simmons literally just went into my mental. I, again, I don't want to say that he doesn't have that because clearly the dude's not playing with the, a, a full deck, but at the same time, I mean, look at that. Right. And then you literally have a situation if you're the Nets, and it's something that I pointed out earlier in the week. Um, this isn't building or climbing the ladder of success. You know, Draymond Green last week defended Durant and said, if, if somebody goes from Google to Apple to Tesla to, I think what he said was um, DocuSign or whatever, big companies, that people would congratulate you. They, they wouldn't be upset at you or criticize you. He's right. Scott, if, if, you know, Houston to the left of us or – Atlanta, to the upper right of us, Dallas, calls you and says, we love the great Scott show. We want that in our market. And it's a chance to better your your family, your situation. You're doing it, and we're all texting you. Way to go, dude. You earned it. Good luck wherever it is that you're going. So he's right on that. And then he's also wrong, though. It's different if you're the CEO and executive or somebody big at these companies or in a TV station, radio station, the news director, program director, and go to a competitor. It's why we sign non-competes, right, Scott? We sign that on purpose because our employers don't want us to go and either have the knowledge or be able to hurt them back on that. So, yeah, in the business world, which is different than the sports world, because in the business world they sell products or services. 
and that's where you make your money. But you hire and fire people based off of the philosophies that you have created per the people that run them. In the sports world, you're called a franchise player for a reason. Kevin Durant is a franchise player. He showed up to Brooklyn. They've done everything they wanted. he wanted him to do, from getting Harden to placating Kyrie Irving to getting Ben Simmons to doing everything that the man wanted, including last summer on August 4th, coming to terms on a four-year, $191 million extension that kicks in this year. My man ain't dribbled, played a minute, a possession under his new deal. So that's why this is different. And I think that's why you heard the commission kind of say the way he did. And to your point, I think it is a superstar empowerment, but I also didn't even think that this is a bit different. You know, a superstar empowerment thing to me is holding the organizations accountable to do everything they can so y'all can win. That's even tough to swallow sometimes, but I get that, right? And that's what I said on our show. This isn't Anthony Davis. I know it's easy to lump him, but he signed multiple contracts here. This isn't Chris Paul. He signed multiple deals with the Hornets and Pelicans. Um, you know, you look at some of those guys. LeBron James, back to Colin Coward's point, he fulfilled the contracts. He's signing two-year deals. He's yeah. signing the two-year deals with the player option of one. But he fulfills it. Even LeBron has never signed a four-year deal, and before he even signs, starts that extension, says, I want out. So it is different. And, and, and that, it would, to, to me, the dichotomy and the beauty of this all is this is something that New Orleans, Memphis, small market teams are going to have to deal with and just, just accept, God, just, just accept that your stars are going to leave you. Bro, Brooklyn is Brooklyn. I mean, it's literally on the other side of a bridge from downtown New York, right? Manhattan. Um, you have everything you want there. You literally had a franchise give you whatever you want. They have brought in superstar after superstar, and it's not good enough. So you know what? That whole argument about you need a big market. I mean, dude, I'm seeing stuff today that people are saying it should be insulting to suggest that Donovan Mitchell play with the Knicks. Mind you, the same people we're saying that Zion needs to get out of here to go play with the Knicks. So I think it is funny how in one year's time you have a market like Brooklyn being, you know, defecated on essentially by one of the bigger names. And on Wednesday night, you see what basically looks like a, you know, reunion party at a summer league game with all of the Pelicans teammates. I mean, they're all sitting courtside. Zion, B.I., they're Good all vibes. Colorado. Good vibes. Dude, it's like, it's incredible. CJ. I'm just saying. Even was, Nikhil, was... who's not on the team anymore, is like, man, you are my friends. I just want to hang out. <laughs> um, listen, I, 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 I also think, you know, with Draymond's point, anytime somebody does the, well, in a business world, I it's apples to oranges. It always will be. It reminds me of sure. Tom Benson, rest in peace. When he wanted to move the team to San Antonio, and we all know that Paul, that Paul Taglib, you said, no, <laughs> I'm not going to let you and you're not going to get enough votes, so just deal with it. And then he, to, to Tom's credit, he really embraced it. And as he got older, spent a lot of money, and the Saints have had a tremendous amount of success since 2006 when you compare it to every year prior to that in the organization's history, even the years he owned the team. 
My point is, I, I remember after Katrina when the rumors started to heat up. And we're all just devastated on, on a lot of different levels, right? Sports, winning or losing, it was cool, but it really was not important in the grand scheme of things as far as the games. But the thought of losing a team when you needed it most and you needed to just lose yourself in something and this thing you've been raised on and this thing you share with families, like it's not like, um, okay, uh, Smoothie King is moving their headquarters out of New Orleans after Katrina. Right. Like that's not a good thing per se. And I know that didn't happen. They ended up moving, but many years later, my point is if you read that, you're not like, you're like, oh, that that's, that's bad for the economy and it's unfortunate for the state. You're not right. losing any sleep over that. You're not, you didn't grow up like sharing this, this sentimental thing with your family. And Tom Benson wrote, he took out like a full page ad and wrote a letter to the fans. And I don't remember the exact words of it, but essentially right. it was, you know, this is my business and I understand everyone's been going through a lot, but you know, as a businessman, you always have to keep all options open and, uh, and the whole thing read like a business. And to him, that's what it was. But he was talking about it like it was one of his car dealerships. And right. I'm like, you no, can't, it, it didn't go. It, it, you, 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 right. You can't do it. I mean, for people that say, oh, sports shouldn't mean sports shouldn't mean that much to certain people. It's like you don't understand that it's not <laughs> it's bigger than the actual sport. It's oh, yeah. it's it's the way that families share traditions, the way they share a song or music or whatever. It's so much deeper than that. And any time and, and look. Kevin Durant, to his point, even, I mean, he just comes out and says it now. He's like, listen, you know, people didn't like when the guy did this because they became attached to him, and yet the player still wants to do what's best for him, and that's a problem. I mean, he just said it as simple as he could. This was like, I don't know, a month ago. I think he, I don't remember. I think he was talking about Kyrie or something, and I was like, yeah. Like, in a nutshell, that's all it is. Like, he's like, yeah, they hated me in OKC when I left because we had developed this serious relationship, even though I didn't know them personally you know, it was deeper to them. And for me, it was a job and, you know, I get it. And I'm like, right, like, that's it. Like, stop with the nonsensical, oh, well, you're a hypocrite if you're a fan that doesn't like when your player leaves because if you did, it's like, stop, just stop with it. It's not the same thing. It never will be. It's what sets sports apart. And, you know, I, I don't know, Durant, you know, I, I, he's doing weird things that kind of are making me like him a little bit. Like when, you know, what did, guys, what did you do to improve your legacy today? Like, I don't, yeah. like, but the, the whole legacy talk, as far as like, you know, the sports media goes, it's just so dumb. I mean, they, it's that nauseum. Like, you can't have a player have 18 legacy games in a single season. Like, shut up. Like, uh, so part of me kind of likes that he's just open with his pettiness now and not hiding behind fake accounts. And then there's the other part of me that's like, Come on, man. Like, your extension hasn't even kicked in yet. Like, what are you doing? You know, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I, the, the whole, uh, getting back to the original point, I don't really believe Adam Silver when he says this is bad for the league. I think, I think fans don't like it, but I, I'd be lying if I said overall it's just awful for the league. I do think more teams being in the mix to win championships. I do think it's good for fan bases. I do think you need more meaningful regular season games, which... Gus, let's let's talk about this for a minute. It's a great Scott show, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Pro Nola segment, Scott Prather, Gus Gattengill. What, what is what is this like? Uh, uh, do you know anyone that said you know that in season, early season tournament, regular season <laughs> tournament that the NBA wants to have, where we have no idea what you could win that's you know of substance other than a couple of extra games? Like, 
Do you know anyone that's saying, yeah, the NBA needs to do that? Like, am I missing something? How is this going to help their product? That's a great question. I mean, look, I, I, I would say this. I, I think for a, a, um, for a lot, I have always said, man, that to me, the NBA, Stern, Silver, they, they're visionaries. You know, I mean, they, they added intrigue. They've done things, to your point that you said at the very beginning of this conversation in terms of what's good for the league or not, um, the NBA is darn near close to sort of NFL level of there is no off season, right? I mean, we're in the summer league right now, and then we'll have a, a bit of a of a lull to an extent. But their training camp starts in September. I mean, they're going to have a preseason game in October, so it's not that far away. Considering that, you know, two Fridays from today, Scott, you and I will be talking about Saints training camp practice number two in the books, three coming up. So. It's right around the corner, man. It's not that far. But part of the reason is kind of what you're saying. They've done a great job uh, of marketing. Um, I think as a commissioner, they've done a good job of allowing players to express it. You just brought it up. You know, could you imagine an NFL player speaking the way Durant does or, or other players do? I mean, some of the Twitter beef from a week or two ago, between several players, you know, where, you know, bleep you and stuff like that. I mean, was it Jimmy Butler to somebody? I mean, I, like, oh my goodness. I mean, like, could you imagine that? I mean, people would lose their minds in the NFL if Cam Jordan literally said that to a coach or something or another player, um, especially coming from this organization that we've seen since 2006, where literally there was a period Sean Payton relaxed it the last two, three years. I think he's a lot of blowback, but they put inhibitors and, and, and scramblers or whatever in the locker room to to block players from tweeting and playing on social media. You remember that, Sean? I mean, Scott, they, Sean Payton made it to where you couldn't use your phone like that in the locker room. He stopped eventually before he left. But, um, yeah, I mean, the NFL is a completely different animal from the NBA. They, they are very – worried about their message, how it's perceived. Roger Goodell does not come across, you know, warming at all, much less player friendly, much. I mean, it's, it's a dictatorship. He completely comes across as the speaking voice for the owners. And in the NBA owners, fans, media are at the back and call essentially of players. The players run the league. There is no arguing that players run the league in the NBA. They've understood it. They've tried to make it a legit partnership from that aspect of it where the NFL absolutely still operates as they, you need them. You, they don't need you. And the NBA, they said, that's probably not the, the reason why people watch us. And, and that's why it does operate differently. And that's why you heard Silver on Tuesday tiptoe you know, he, he said, I don't care for it, but he didn't go Roger Goodell and say, that's not happening anyway. He didn't go David Stern. I mean, again, David Stern, there was blowback on, on how players dressed at, at a certain time, you know, uh, of the league. And he put a dress code in, you know, it became 
the thing, though, right? The player said, all right, we have to not look a certain way, so we're going to amp it up, though. We're going to call it style. So much so that ESPN, so much so that ESPN Sports Center even did a spoof on one of their Sports Center commercials. Remember, where you see some of the anchors walk in, and you know one guy has like massive sneakers and a sleeveless shirt like Westbrook. But what, what did that do, Scott? Even the NFL then started having their pregame shows. You know, this is how you dress. This is how you come to work. There were segments in the pregame right. show. The look NFL. at look at Joe Burrow. He's got drip. He's balling. Yep. Bengals look, by sixty. Yeah. <laughs> Where did that come from, Scott? The, the NBA. NBA. That's no doubt about it. Gus Kagio, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent. All right. Uh, Pell Summer League. They've won some. They've lost some. They play tonight. Um, I, I like that Trey Murphy uh, has grown in height, literally. Um, and more than that, man, it's just seeing the, the, the Zion and CJ and Ingram and Jose Alvarado and Herb Jones and these guys there. Uh, hanging out, spending time in Vegas together, working together—that's that's the good stuff. I mean, I, you know, I think Wednesday CJ was on, and they started asking him a question, and then Zion came in the background. He's like, "Wait a minute, isn't this the guy that 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 you know was saying a few things about me?" And then they like laughed and like hugged, and they were like g- giggling about it. I mean, just just good vibes, man. I mean, I I don't have much more to add than that, and I don't want to keep you too much longer, so I wanted to end. On a Saints note, I know that training camp will be underway two weeks from today. Wednesday night, not that this report was any kind of a surprise. Pro Football Talk dropped the report that said Sean Payton most likely will coach again in 2023. He'd have interest in the Dolphins, the Chargers, the Cowboys. If those jobs were open, of course, though, of course he would. And, and you know, best... You know, you just best case scenario, you want a team that's not horrific, but just desperate enough where they think all we need is a new head coach because the Saints, they, 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 they're going to be asking the price is going to be high. This isn't going to be sure. You know, this isn't going to be Baker Mayfield, who I compared to an NFT. Right. You know, Cleveland took him number one overall like that bored ape NFT that sold for half a million dollars and then sold the other day for like 50 grand. Like, and then, so, you know, Cleveland dishes them all for a fifth round pick. The Saints are going to be asking for a lot here. Um, Sean Payton will not be coaching the Saints again, yet he will be in the headlines the entire NFL season. And I, 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 boy, you, you don't think that guy would love to get the Chargers gig, but they're going to have a coach only in his second year. And the Chargers could be good this year. I look at Dallas and say, Mike McCarthy, the pressure, it, it's going to be following him all season long. We know Miami wanted him, but they just have a new head coach. I mean, it, it's felt in a lot of ways like this thing was heading to Dallas at some point. And Gus, man, this report just made me realize it probably will. What, what, what do you think the Saints ultimately will get when Sean Payton coaches elsewhere? Which, according to Pro Football Talk earlier this week, it's probably going to be just a year from now, man. I, I you know you you know this because I've told you this on your show probably and even said it on mine. I've always thought to me, I think the whole and Sean's good at this. I wouldn't say misdirection, but understanding the room and the elephant in the room is he's going to be the Cowboys head coach. That's good because if you're him, 
you you can leverage that to make sure you get everything you want. If you're going to be the Cowboys head coach, it has prestige, it has all of that. You know, his family's there now, and you know he has that. He might be one of the only men that can probably tell Jerry Jones get out my office. He probably maybe. Can. I see. I, I, yeah, I get, I always felt like he'd end up in Dallas when Jerry died because you know how much Sean likes to be a dictator. Can he work with Jerry? That's always oh, been remember, my reason though, why not. But I, I've I've come off it a little stories bit. Stories of, of the Super Bowl, whatever it was, where he went. You know, to St. Elmo's, right, and he bought, house, and he bought Jerry Jones's favorite bottle of wine to make sure he couldn't get it. I mean, that's that, that he has that kind of relationship with him. So, and, and I think, you know, the longer it goes, mortality hits you, right? That guy wants nothing more than to win a Super Bowl championship before he croaks again. So, you know again? what? Wait, wait, he, he died already? Wait, oh, another Super Bowl what? guy. I was, I was like, you said before he croaks again. I'm like, did Jerry Jones die already? Oh. Uh, yeah, no, like, you know, he wants to win another Super Bowl <laughs> Yeah, no, I, it took me a minute. I mean, I'm sorry, my bad. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think when you look at it from that perspective, they could they could work for, they could, I mean, I call it a frat house. I mean, if, if, if you're in there, there's a reason you're in there. You get along with the same types of people that are all probably the same type of personality that outside of that place would look at it as, as like an insane asylum. Right. I mean, it just, that's why you have certain groups that some, that just work together. And I think they have completely very similar personalities, but, um, you know, him having relationships with Parcells and all of that, it, look, he Parcells worked with it. I mean, it, so I, I don't know, man, when I look at it, I could see that happening, but Scott, I've told you, I, to me, there's only one team that makes so much sense from a lot of boxes that check and manage the Chargers. You have a really good quarterback that's a passer. You have so much drama and stuff over in Dallas. But with the Chargers, he gets to run the, the they show. This year, he gets I think to run the show. They don't go to the AFC there. Championship game or Super Bowl. They're firing that coach. He lost them games last year, and he is absolutely not ready. I think for the expectation level that that team has this year. And Justin Herbert hadn't even scratched the surface yet. Last year, you got a glimpse of what that kid can do. And if I'm Sean Payton, playing in SoFi Stadium, and there's talk that they may even, you know, get their own stadium, the Chargers and stuff. So, um, and his daughter is that you know his kids are older now. His daughter lives dude, in L.A. now. Yeah, I dude, his wife. Sean and look, McVeigh is going to retire in the near future. I mean, I he said he thought it was going to happen this year. Nah, he's, uh, Scott. He's so, um, but even if he doesn't, dude, come on that 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 is a that is a matchup made in heaven. They're in different conferences, but they share the same billion dollar stadium. The facility's gorgeous. The weather's beautiful. Um, he is a celebrity. And would be, and more importantly, he absolutely has a chance to win the Super Bowl for the next five to seven years. Yeah, I mean, legitimately. Yeah. He that, I mean, that's to me, and, and, and he would have a lot of autonomy there. But you know, Dallas, he's like when you. I mean, I get Dallas is. It's nice if you got the. It's flat, or you got the hill. I mean, it, you can't compare that. Like you're not. I mean, from living to how you're going to be treated to the celebrity, it's not even close. I wouldn't even consider it. Like I mean, I I am absolutely angling Chargers. 
playing the hand I'm going to Dallas to make sure the Sanos or Spanos, whatever they're called over there in uh, in L.A., make that happen. But I would absolutely want to be making my way to the Chargers. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. On that note, we'll let him run. He joined us here on a Gimme All You Got Friday. That is Gus Kattengill, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Uh, two weeks from today, man, the Saints will have started camp. A week from today, the rookies will have started. They're reporting Thursday and kind of getting things going. But um, we'll talk a little more Saints next week. In the meantime, man, love talking sports with you as always, brother. Check out Gus on ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans, weekdays noon to 3. It's called The Sports Hangover, one of my all-time favorite sports talk shows uh and give gus follow on twitter at gcat underscore one seven g-k-a-t-t underscore one seven and uh he is uh, a father to a young one i have some young ones so excuse us while we got excited that uh bluey season three is coming to disney Absolutely. plus soon i mean i, I was excited about that they were my kids I were think, watching I bluey this I morning was more excited actually than than, than carver, than carver. I, <laughs> I showed him the, the, the picture and says season three coming and he goes Oh, I think I've already seen that on YouTube. They probably leaked some episodes already. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, they're already on YouTube. And I'm all excited because, dude, I, I legitimately had a talk with my sister's father-in-law uh, in Vermont when we went up there for her youngest high school graduation. And he had never heard of it. All the grandkids are a little older than Carver. So they hadn't, they're not watching Disney Junior. It's now Disney now. So he hadn't heard of it. And I sat him down, and I forced him to watch one episode, and he was hooked. And he's like, this is incredible. I'm like, oh, yeah. from the no- I mean, We watched the Nomads one, you know, the fairies. I mean, I, dude, it's, I, I love them. I love the creek. all the of creek them. The Creek is my I favorite one. I like the, the Creek's my favorite Bluey episode for sure. So, uh, But enough Bluey. We're going we're gonna to bore our audience. All right. Uh, but, hey, if you're, if you're a parent to a young one, you know what Gus and I are talking about. If you don't, go watch Bluey. It's awesome. Yep. Appreciate it, brother. As always, my man. We'll uh, we'll chat again next week. And thank you for taking the time. Oh, it was a pleasure, man. Take care, buddy. All right. All right. There you have it. That is Gus Cattengale. Brad Topham is uh, not going to be able to join us this morning. We'll catch up with Brad next week. We'll have a seam head segment. Take a look at uh, MLB All Star break. What to look for the latter portion of the season. Afterwards, we'll get into a good bit of baseball talk with Brad next week. Shout out Mets for crushing the Cubs last night. When we come back, phone lines are open, 337-269-1077. The Open Championship, they may not admit it publicly, but they do not want a live guy winning that thing. Right now, you look at the leaderboard, it's a live guy atop of it. Tiger Woods, not too good. Well, not too good. Not a great day yesterday, struggling today, but we'll take a look at the leaderboard. The Browns being childish by claiming someone else is childish. DeAndre Ayton's uh, offer sheet was matched, and there is an organization in sports with a whole lot of championship banners that is going to retire a number, and I'm like, Really? You're going to retire the, the number of that guy? That's all coming your way here on the Great Scott Show this morning. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.
The best games, the best fans, the best on the bayou. The best, the best, the best ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. into the great scott show on a give me all you got friday phone lines are open uh, 337-269-1077 you can hit me up via twitter at espn is there a more childish team in the nfl than the cleveland browns they really do operate like a franchise run by a child. I mean, they took a big gamble on the Deshaun Watson thing, and that's been well documented, but I, I'm not even talking about that. Like Baker Mayfield, he is childish, and I've said that since he was drafted, and he's the guy that I <clears throat> I think if you're in the NFC South and you're the Saints or the Bucks or Atlanta, you're not sitting there shaking in your boots like, oh, no, look out. Carolina got Baker. Well, it was the number one overall pick, and he was this, and they were in the playoffs two years ago, and he handed the ball off to Nick Chubb and had a great old line. He does not have the speed to get out to the outside when he rolls out and makes something happen. He's a slightly below average starting quarterback and maybe a slightly above average backup. That's what he is. But you attach, well, number one overall to him. and Yeah. But the reason I, I, I got to get on the Browns here for a moment. Like, when Baker got traded, it didn't take a day for a very descriptive report by Jason Lloyd of The Athletic to come out about how Baker was all of these bad things. He was childish. He was immature. He was difficult to coach. He was a locker room divider. And you might be sitting sitting back saying, Scott, what are you talking about? Those are things you said about him. I I don't know if you use those um, exact words, but I, I have said that about him for years. I'm not the Browns. I'm not an NFL franchise. This reeks of couple in a bad relationship. It doesn't end well. It's not amicable. And as soon as it's officially over, you just start leaking dirt online, on social media. Grow up. Come on. Like, you wait to release this article right after he's traded. 
I, I compared Baker to one of those board ape NFTs that sold for like half a million dollars and then six months later sold for 50000 They took them 1-1 overall. First pick, first round, and they just traded in the Carolina for a fifth. Move on. You got your own problems to deal with. Instead, they leak all of this stuff out there. You know, I, I, I would I would venture to say there are a lot of players that have been into Cleveland before. I've known one or two guys, okay, that can tell you that eh, from an ownership standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, from a management standpoint, let's just say it's not stable. Like reporting that you were tired of someone's childishness after they're gone when you're an NFL franchise, and you have, at this point, again, bigger fish to fry, more things to worry about. That in itself is childish. Just let it go and move on. Who's even going to start for you at quarterback? There are people outside of that organization that look at it and they're like, this is how you guys handle things? This is how you handle things? Other owners around the league are looking at you, and they're, they're like, look at this. Look at this, jabroni. Trade them. You got lots of image and PR problems right now. You could, you could at least pretend to try and take the high road, but that's not Cleveland. It's not. A guy, Greg Larnard, love Greg. Word with G, used to be a host here, now works in Chattanooga. He used to argue about the Browns. He's like, oh, they're going to be great. They're going to do this. I'm like, they're the Browns. They're going to screw it up. They always do. They always do. This isn't the Marty Schottenheimer Browns of the 90s, back when they were still in Cleveland of the late 80s and early 90s, when they were, you know, couldn't get to a Super Bowl, but at least a, a good organization that unfortunately Ernest Biner fumbled and they couldn't get past that way. But they, they they were different. That organization, that franchise eventually became the Baltimore Ravens, which is a very well-run franchise. So you got Lamar Jackson, who is representing himself as doesn't have an agent, asking for money, Arguing on social media with former Ravens who were not stars and Bernard Pollard stirring things up. And it doesn't feel the same as if, say, Baker Mayfield was doing that in Cleveland for two reasons. One, Lamar Jackson's a former MVP and he's good. Two, the organization. It's like you you don't even... When it comes to the Ravens, it's almost like if a player makes headlines in some way. You just kind of think of the player and not as much the organization. When someone does it for the Cleveland Browns, when it's a player that does it for the Browns, you just kind of think about the Browns. Fair not, but that's the way it is, and that has to do with how you're perceived around the league. Baltimore is viewed as one of the best-run, well-run, consistently good programs around the country. In the NFL. 25 after the hour. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Lyle emails. Scott, who do you think the starting quarterback will be in Cleveland this year? I don't know. Where's Mike Glennon now? Where, where is he these days? 
I think he's a free agent. They'll probably just stay. It, it may not be Mike Glennon, but it'll be it'll probably be like something comparable to that, right? Let's just find some backup that started some games before and hope he plays. Because Deshaun Watson, I don't know when that punishment's coming down, but he ain't starting week one. He may not play at all this season. He might not. You look at their depth chart right now. I, I, I Okay, that's right. I forgot. Jacoby Prissett's on the team. Jacoby, I mean, that's kind of a Mike Glennon comp. Brissett's probably a little better than Glennon. But again, here's a guy that has started in the league. Good backup, below average starter, journeyman, been on a number of teams, has started full seasons before, but isn't a guy that's going to, you know, take you to the top or into the playoffs. I mean, he's serviceable. Better served as a backup, but can start when you need him to start. That's that's who's going to start for Cleveland. Now, he gets hurt, then maybe they call Mike Lennon. This is a team that two seasons ago were right there on the cusp. Right there on the cusp. In Kansas City, in the second round of the playoffs, and Patrick Mahomes was hurt and on the on, on the sideline, not even in the game. They couldn't stop Chad Henney. It's rough. To the NBA for a moment, DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton. He wanted a max contract extension last year. Phoenix said no. He played well this past season, got into the playoffs, got benched, had some kind of some something happening between he and Monty Williams. They worried that maybe he was he was gaming too much. But he was still good. And then free agency started. There was no offer from Phoenix. He was a restricted free agent, so they were just waiting, waiting, waiting. DeAndre finally, he did it. He forced his hand. It worked. Gets a four-year, $133 million max offer sheet from Indiana. He signs it. Phoenix put their back against the wall, then had to match the offer just a few hours later. Now, there are a couple of... There are a couple of layers to this. Okay. Number one, let's just look at the elephant in the room. It may be kind of awkward. You can't trade them. He has a no trade clause for one year. I guess you could you could technically trade him after January fifteenth if he wanted out, but you're not going to trade him. You could say, why would they want to trade him after offered him to this max off? Because when you keep a guy on a contract like that, you're able to make trades and stay above the salary cap and do some things within the luxury tax that if you just let him walk, you wouldn't have that. So there is an asset in the contract, even if you trade him after one year. Now, I think DeAndre Ayton's a good player. I don't know that they're going to want to do that. And I seriously doubt it would happen this year. Talk about trading guys on max contracts. I find it hilarious that everyone's like, oof, that Russell Westbrook contract. Uh-oh. I mean, it's, it's untradeable. The guy has played for a different team every single year of his max contract. Oklahoma City, Houston, Washington, L.A. If he plays somewhere else next season... 
because he opted into the last year of his deal. He would be the first player ever on a max contract to play for a different team each year of the contract on a contract that is uh, allegedly untradeable. I find that funny. Anyway, I'm getting off track. Aiton. He asked his employer to pay him market value. They said no. Then he eventually got it. His coach benched him in an elimination game in the postseason. Yeah. They got they they need they need to need a little kumbaya. Ask for a raise, get denied, try to find the raise elsewhere, get your money. Good for him. But the other the other layer to this is Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, who when all is said and done, I don't even know he's gonna be traded. There was a report by Scoopy Jackson that Brooklyn called New Orleans. I, I don't even know if I believe the full details of that report. Oh, they 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 wanted Ingram and Nance and a bunch of picks, and they were going to give them Durant. Eh. Scoop B has had some scoops in the past that uh, were not accurate, and the fact that it's the only place it's coming from, I don't I don't know that I buy it. But the Durant to Phoenix rumors have been there for a while. Now they take a hit for the moment. Because DeAndre Ayton was one of the potential trade assets in those discussions. That's the big domino here. It's just been waiting and waiting. Where is Durant going to go? Is he going to get traded? Is he going to stay put? And so NBA free agency, which usually begins every year with just a bang and woge bombs and shams and things all over social media and memes and everybody going crazy and This year, it's just, you know, it's been a little been a little more quiet. That's why. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. When we come back, the Open Championship. A live guy is at the top of the leaderboard. Uh-oh. Who would the Open really want to win this thing? Tiger Woods, rough start. Plus... A franchise with lots of championship banners is going to hang a jersey up in the rafters. And all I can say is, why? Nothing against the guy. Great player. But jersey retired with that franchise? Are you serious? I'll explain next. When we come back on the Great Scott Show, it's a Give Me All You Got Friday. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! We're right back right after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. And woulda. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Are you serious? They all play here. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. I want to give me all you got Friday. The Open Championship, which I, you know, 
Sorry, I'm not watching the guys teeing off at 3 in the morning my time. But on Sunday, give me drama. Give me some big names in the mix. Give me a PGA guy versus a live guy. Ultimately, with I mean, look, ultimately, every major would love it if Tiger Woods were to win it because it would bring them the most eyeballs, the most drama, the most ratings, the most coverage. Uh, that ain't going to happen. Tiger ain't lifting the Claridge jug this year. Not with that start he had yesterday. Sheesh. Sheesh. I mean, he, he, he has to go low to make the weekend of the Open. The old course. The oldest major. The 150th install. The birthplace of golf. St. Andrews in Scotland. But Dustin Johnson's atop the leaderboard right now. Dustin Johnson is atop the leaderboard at nine under. Dustin Johnson, a deflector, a live guy. Through two rounds, he's nine under. Tyrell Hatton is eight under along with my guy Scotty Scheffler. Patrick Cantley is eight under. He's still got four more holes today. Cameron Smith, bunch of Camerons, new guy. Don't know anything about him. Cameron Young, they're both eight under, and uh, they both have 14 more holes today. Rory McIlroy is six under after yesterday, and he hasn't teed off yet. He tees off at nine this morning. He is the guy that the Open and the PGA Tour and most in the golf world who could realistically win this thing, he is who is the favorite. Well, I don't say he's the favorite to win it. How do I put this? He's the guy that most want to win. He's defended the PGA. He's ripped on the Live Tour. He's kind of been, he's kind of been their guy in a lot of ways. And that's why they're going to lean into it and lean into it a lot. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Tiger Woods, uh, well, he's tied for 146th at 7 over. He's got a few holes left today. 7 over, yeah. When he double bogeyed the first hole, everyone was like, eh, well, one over today. So, How about Phil Mickelson for a minute? Phil, who got into it with a reporter who was asking, uh, not a surprise, about the live tour and going there, and he basically told the guy, hey, get over it. I'm as happy as I've ever been. Leave me alone. Then Phil was asked about Tiger Woods' critique of the guys on the live tour, saying they turned their back and other things. Phil says, I respect his opinion. Tiger just alphaed Phil. That's what he did. I respect I respect his opinion. He just alphaed him. Guys that played <clears throat> with Kobe Bryant in LA. We'll talk about how Kobe could alpha them. He would alpha them in practice. He would do all these things. He would bring them to their brink. And when he was young, he didn't know really how to control that. I mean, you know. Up to the time of his tragic passing, if you asked Kobe about smush, 
Parker, he would just he would he would still say negative things about him. Still had beef. But when you talk to guys who play with Kobe, they the good ones, the ones that succeeded, all talk about how much better he made them. Despite the fact that he might alpha them in the end, it was good for them, is what they needed. I'm not a Lakers fan, okay? I'm not. But I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you that they're not one of the two most prestigious, glamorous franchises in the NBA in terms of the history of the league. They are. I mean, they have 17 championship banners. We'll call it 16 and a half, right? I mean, the bubble, I'm kidding. They have 17 championship banners. They are tied with the Celtics for the most ever. Even the years, they're completely awful. They're in the headlines and on TV all the time, kind of like the Cowboys. In the spotlight, whether they deserve it or not, because they're the Lakers. But when you look at their history, there's no denying it. Wilt Chamberlain, Kobe Bryant, Magic Johnson, Kareem, Shaq, the logo Jerry West, James Worthy, Gail Goodrich, Elgin Baylor, Jamal Wilkes. All those guys, with the exception of Baylor, won at least one championship with L.A. Baylor was 10-time All-NBA, 11-time All-Star in 13 seasons. You know, Wilt only played five seasons there, so I I find it a little odd that his numbers retire, but then again, I mean, he's Wilt Chamberlain. News came out that the Lakers are planning to retire the jersey of Pal Gasol. What? Really? Pal Gasol? I like Pal Gasol. I loved his game. He was, one, he, was, he was a great NBA player. He played in L.A. for like six years. Six years. That's it. Six seasons. And you're going to retire his jersey? He didn't even average a double-double when he was there. He was, he, he was never first-team All-NBA. He was never a guy that reached the same rarefied air as the guys I just mentioned. Jerry West, Kareem, Magic, Kobe, Shaq. Like, there there are levels to this. Gasol averaged 17.7, 9.9 rebounds per game as a Laker. And he was awesome. Let me be clear. I am not suggesting that Pal Gasol was not an awesome player. And he did help them win two championships. But, I mean, shouldn't shouldn't retiring a jersey mean a little more than that? And he he played six seasons there. Played 18 years in the league. You know, it's one thing of a franchise like Sacramento or Memphis or New Orleans, for that matter, retires the jersey of a player who 
was 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 really good, but you know, never won a championship because that team, those franchises, it's not like they have the illustrious history of the Lakers and have the names comparable to some of those, you know, some of those of the Lakers. And look, this is a this is very much a situation of man, the fans absolutely loved him. And you know what? I, I that should count for something. You know, you want to honor him, you want to put him on the wall of honor, whatever you do. Like he was good, but he's he wasn't a guy that was like, oh, this surefire, no doubt about it. The Lakers are, are, are staring down another potential bad seasons. They're they took out a loan literally at the beginning of COVID. Right now, the Lakers are they that franchise that they've been in the past? There are a lot of negative things happening around the team right now, but heartstrings. Marketing. Fans love Powell. Let's announce we're retiring his jersey. Let's have some fun with it. That's what this smells like to me. That's what it smells like to me. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. 337-269-1077. 337-269-1077. Phone lines are open on a gimme or you got Friday on the great Scott show. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. I just think uh, you basically answered your own question. Um, he um, helped them win two championships, and I guess if you look at a franchise uh, such as the Lakers, uh, you will see that um, they, I guess they had to honor him. You look at the, uh, the three-peat Shaq and Kobe, of course their numbers are retired. Uh, I mean, Derek Fisher's out. number is not retired. Glenn Rice's number isn't. I mean, I, I don't. I, yeah, but, but once again, uh, they, were they okay? <laughs> I don't think they were ever the second option like Paul Gasol when he won, you know, uh, those two titles with the Lakers when he was there. Does Paul uh, does so Paul Gasol as a Laker, not in his entire career, strictly as a Laker, I mean, Jerry West, Kareem, Kobe, Magic, Shaq, Worthy, Wilt, I mean, one of these is not like the others. Yeah, I feel you, but guess what? Will Shaq get his number retired by the Heat? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't think they've done it. Shaq. Shaq's numbers were tied in Orlando, right? Yes, but that's Orlando. That Orlando, Orlando, as I said, franchises like yeah, Sacramento, New Orleans, Memphis, yeah, Orlando, yeah, yeah. that's different than the Lakers. Okay, but guess what? Nick Collison, is it, didn't they retire his numbers? His num- No, we're not talking about, all right, first of all, to be clear, we're not talking about retiring numbers. We're talking about jerseys. Um, no, I, I, you, no, the Lakers wouldn't have any numbers left. I mean, they would, you know. I don't know about I don't know about Nick Collison with the Thunder. I think his jersey was retired or there was an announcement, but again, that's OKC. I mean, they you know. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Go back to something. So, retired jersey. So that means someone can still wear his number. It's it's my understanding that that's how that works. Yeah. Now, whether or not someone does, like, like. Uh, Archie Manning was the first guy to have a name up in the dome year, many, many years ago, right? Before there was even a a, a ring of honor and, and, a, and a, a Saints Hall of Fame, he had a big old thing in the dome marked out for him. 
He is in the ring of honor. His jersey's... A lot of people feel like, oh, his number's retired. Uh, A Saint could technically wear number eight. Now, they don't. They don't. And I don't think you'll ever see one wear number nine either. But it's not technically... The number is not technically retired. So it's still in circulation, basically. Uh, Wow. Okay. Um... No, I it's almost like it's almost kind of like I, I don't know. I, it's, I I don't know if why they they keep it like that. I don't know if like three hundred years from now, if we're even alive, or we're not going to be alive. But if the NBA is still a thing, you know, I feel like you ran out of jersey numbers. You know, like I I think it's you you retire a jersey and people assume oh well the number's retired. Now I'm sure that there are situ- there are some places where a number is actually retired, but in a lot of cases it's just a a jersey. Uh, retirement and the numbers still technically can be worn, but in a lot of cases, you know, teams will have a few where they're like, "No, nah, this is off limits." You know, you can't, you can't do that. Like, I doubt anyone well, will I wear twenty four eight for the Lakers, but that's Kobe. I mean, I could see yeah, somebody yeah, wearing, saying, you man, know, sixteen again. Kyle Gasol, his relationship with Kobe's family, I'm sure that has something to do with it. Uh, also, like I said, man, he came in, they made a trade, he came in, helped them win back to back titles. Um, that has to stand for something. And I do understand where you're coming from. Um, but uh, I like yeah, Powell. I, I like him. I just, it, it feels like a move that Orlando, New Orleans, Sacramento, Myth, those kind of franchises would do because they're, or OKC, you mentioned Collison, like good play. And Ben Powell is much better than Collison for the record. I don't want to suggest it's the same. But if Powell wasn't as liked as he wasn't, in, in, I feel like that's carrying more weight here. For a franchise that's only retired the jerseys of, of great ones, so yeah. Hey man, what, what's stopping? Um, <clears throat> like I know a lot of people upset with Lil Golf, but you know what? I'm glad something like that 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 took place in golf. They needed a competitor. They needed someone just you know just dishing out money just to play in a sense. Now the P because look what happened. Didn't the PGA kind of up? Up there, um, they they increased it. They they did increase their purse a little bit, yeah. Yeah, purse. Yes. So what was you know? I understand some of the big wigs, you know, like Tiger and all this. Yeah, they they're gonna they're gonna stay with the PJ. That's understandable. But let's say that you know the the basically Saudi Arabia. What's what's stopping them? Say you know what? I think it's time for a competitive basketball league. Let's try to. How much you making, Damian Miller? Sixty a little? Hey, I offer you one hundred and twenty a year. Now, of course, a lot of players are not going to leave. You know what I'm saying? And it's I think it's but, harder in a team. I think golf is a sport that's easier to do it because you can just pick one guy and it's just them in the sport. You know, if they yeah. have to lead a team, you're, you're not. It's golf. If they wanted to attack somewhere, golf was the was the sport to do it for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's already in, they're already involved in some other sports. They do have minority ownership in certain American teams and things like that, but not sort of front and center of a whole sport like they're doing. But it's just, I don't know, man. It's I don't even find it entertaining. It's just lame. This fifty-four hole shotgun, weird team names. And I, I got I got What's no interest rating? in watching it. Uh, they have I don't know. It's all just streamed. I don't know. Yeah. But I kind of like it, though, man, in a sense. Just kind of shake things up, you know. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I don't so, like hold on. so Greg going. Norman, so he couldn't participate in any, where they basically 
They 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 disinvited him from the Open Championship, so like he couldn't go to the Champions Dinner, um, and something else, right? Uh, in golf, once you sort of win a major, you're kind of yeah. In the past, you're like ex- forever exclusively in that company, um, and get to play at that course and do everything and get honored on the, the week of it and all that. Else, as long as you're alive and. They told Greg Norman to uh, bleep off. It's just what I'm saying, man. This man was a, was a popular golfer, the Shark, in the '80s, '90s. You know what I'm saying? He, he brought some people. He brought some some fans to the screens to the uh, to watch them to the tournament, to the events. And that's how you're gonna treat him because he decided, you know, he want to make a financial move for himself. Well, I mean, you're not telling the whole story. I mean, there is a a moral element to where the money's coming from. Oh, come on, man. That, that's that's all. That's all. Really, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into that. It's I true. Think that's BS too. No, it's not. It's true. In what way? What I mean Saudi Arabia and where that money's coming from and some of the that that's where this whole thing is. About. If it wasn't Saudi Arabia, if it was another country. Um, I don't think, or if it was just a, if it was Mark Cuban, uh, I don't, I don't, I mean, come on, there is no, that, that to me is the bigger question. If, you know, what's the PGA going to say if it's someone like a Cuban, if they don't have that, um, whether it's, you know, logical or legit or not, if you will, whether, whether they don't have that, uh, alleged moral barrier or high ground to be like, come on, I mean, look what you're doing. You know, I wonder how many guys would deflect or if it would be the exact same thing because it's easy for a guy right now to tell him no. And there have been golfers that have said no to the Live Tour, but multiple ones, big ones. It's easy for them to say no now and say this is why, but if someone else came along, you know, like a Mark Cuban, then what happens? Um, I don't know. I don't know if this is just going to be a quick blip in the radar that happens for, I don't know, five, six years, or if it happens forever or if it happens for a little while and then someone else comes along years down the road and does something hey one more comment i'm uh kind of changing the subject uh they had a situation there you got to go i'm looking at the time um they had a situation in baseball where 10 royal players right they couldn't play in uh, toronto did you hear stephen a smith go off on any of that i didn't i i don't think stephen a smith is on right now i think he had surgery or something oh okay Okay. I read now. Now I read that I I get you know emails each morning from different sports uh, news sources, and I read something about how he had shoulder surgery or something. Um, All right, fair enough. But, but I don't. Again, I don't. I don't really. I don't really watch Stephen A. So that's crazy, man. Uh, you know, like I said, man. Anyway, uh, it's their choice. But um, that's wild. That, I, that you know they pick and choose on who to go with after this stuff. You know, they go after. I want to. He's like you said. He's out. So you know. I can't. I can't go. I'm not gonna go into conversation. But Scott, nice hearing you. And uh, hey, man, your legacy. <laughs> intact, man, town, man. All right, bro. All right. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, good one. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, we are out of time. Real quick, email James emails. He says, Scott, wait a minute. I always assumed that jersey retired meant number retired. Listen, if a jersey is retired and an active player is still wearing it. The player is usually permitted to wear the number for his entire career as a player. Um, If the sport and the player later becomes a coach for the same team, they can wear it as a coach. You see that in baseball. Like, it's not an official thing. 
it's just kind of understood. Like you can, you can, there are certain numbers you just don't reissue. Like, like mean Joe green for the Steelers. It's never been reissued since he retired ever, ever. Now the Cowboys didn't officially retire Emmett Smith's 22 or Aikman's number eight or Stallback's number 12. But they're not going to do it again. What about Bob Lilly? His number's retired. Go watch Hard Knocks. There's a 74 there in the preseason. The Colts said, hey, no one's ever wearing 18 again here. They didn't officially retire it. So it, it's it's not like it's uh You've seen guys have their jersey hanging in the Raptors and then their number being worn again. And then of the jerseys in the rafters, they're elite, elite ones. I mean, go look in North Carolina. There is about 50 jerseys hanging in the rafters. I know that's college. At some point, you're like, oh, my God, we only got like five more numbers today. You can't do it that way. You can't. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'll talk to you Monday. Have a great weekend. This is ESPN Lafayette. The Dan Patrick Show's next.